Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Justin Speak. That's still on, too. We'll take that off as well. Okay. Uh, I'm the high school pastor here at Beach Point Church, and um, today's exciting. It's fun to have Jude be dedicated. I'm really excited about that. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me or not. Most of you probably do, but I basically grew up here. At, I shouldn't say basically. I actually did grow up here at this church. Um, I have spent my entire life here. Uh, people would often joke with me that I was born in the baptismal. Um, and for those of you who are considering getting baptized, just know that that's not true. Um, don't worry about that. Um, I've called this church my home for, through the kids ministry, the middle school group, the high school group. Um, and in my 24 years here, uh, I've seen this church go through a lot of changes. Um, and for those of you who have been here even longer than I, uh, you've seen even more, uh, more changes happen here at Beach Point. Uh, I remember when the lighthouse, where the kids meet now, uh, it used to be called the fireside room. And I don't even know what we used it for. I think there was a fireplace somewhere in there. Um, I don't know where it went. But now it's, uh, it's our awesome kids ministry area. I remember when we didn't have a fountain uh, in the front lawn of the church. Instead, we had a beautiful one-tone cement sign uh, that was just the pinnacle of aesthetics. And, but I do also remember we had this bell attached to it that swung just ever so slightly. The bell's still out there. And I will admit that I rode on that bell plenty of times in my time here at Beach Point as well. I remember when we called the patio center court instead of the patio experience. But to make it worse, we spelled center C-E-N-T-R-E because we thought it made us look a little more sophisticated, I think. Um, I don't know if it worked or not. But a lot has changed in just my 24 years at Beach Point. And like I said, for those of you who have been here longer than 24 years, you've seen even more and more changes. But there's two things that have remained the same. Two things that have remained the same the whole time I've been here. And the first is that we have been committed to developing authentic followers of Jesus Christ, to developing people into authentic disciples of our Savior Jesus Christ. And, and that's why this church was founded. That's why this church has existed up until this point, And it's what we're going to continue to do from this point forward. And the second thing that has remained constant is that we have been a church that is committed to caring about young people. When Bill became our senior pastor here at Beach Point, um, he'd been our youth pastor for, for roughly 20 years. And I remember as a high school student, as a student in the Rock at the time, I was so excited for Bill to become the senior pastor because I knew that this was somebody who had cared about me as a middle school student and a high school student and now he was going to continue that work as our senior pastor. And it was this really exciting moment. And all that excitement got built up even more not long into Bill's tenure here as senior pastor because he, he gave this sermon um, on a, our first VBS Sunday, or what I, I think it was our first VBS Sunday, where every VBS we do this now, right? Sunday morning, all the kids come in here with us. We worship. We, we do some crazy dancing or whatever it is we do on VBS Sunday and then build teaches. This was the first time we'd ever done it. 
I remember not really knowing what to expect. And when Gabe got up here, Mr. Gabe got up here, our children's pastor, and he led worship with his guitar. And it was, everyone's dancing. We're like flying around the room. It was exciting. Uh, and then Bill got up. And I assumed that he was going to talk to the kids more than anything else. But Bill, the first thing I remember him saying was maybe, and this is no knock on Bill when I say it, was maybe the only thing I really remember from any of Bill's preaching at any point in time. Uh, That's not totally fair. I remember a lot of things, just not specifics like this. But Bill stood up here and he said that Beach Point is going to be a church that cares about young people. Beach Point is going to be a church that cares about young people. And in that moment, my view of church and of this church and what church meant was changed forever. Because in that moment, I saw what it was that God was doing in the lives of young people. And I saw that this was a church that was going to care about me and care about the people around me. And they were going to do this for generation and generation. I knew that someday... I would be here and I would be in a part of this church and that my son or my daughter would be dedicated into this church, into a church that cares for young people. And that excited me even as a high school student. In that moment, as a 16-year-old, I realized for the first time why all these people had poured into my life. Why Ron Roundtree and John Brown and Don Julian taught a woodshop class for a bunch of obnoxious fourth and fifth grade boys. Why Josh Lazier and Tim Gauchy gave up each and every Saturday afternoon to hang out with a bunch of middle school students. Why, why uh, Jason Hickey and Matt Johnston and Adam Hankerson took time out of their week to spend with me to hang out with me and ask me about how my life was going and how my faith was growing. I realized that all of those people, they'd seen, they'd caught the vision that Bill had had, that this would be a church that cares about young people. They had a desire in their hearts to see me, an annoying, know-it-all kid, be developed into an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. And the way I saw the church was forever changed in that moment. Now, as a 16-year-old, I was naive enough to think of Bill as a a brilliant visionary who had come up with this idea all on his own. Um, But those of you who have been here longer than I know that that is not the case. That Beach Point has been committed to caring for young people long before Bill ever got here. And it started back in the 70s here at Beach Point. It started with a man named Doug Jeffrey, who was our senior pastor at the time. And Pastor Jeffrey had a vision, the same vision that Bill had, that this would be a church that cares about its young people, that develops its young people, invests in its young people, and raises its young people up to be a part of the leadership of this church. And so for 50 years now, we have done the work that Pastor Jeffrey felt we were called to do of investing in the next generation of investing in our kids and our middle school students and our high school students and our young adults, of giving them opportunities like the opportunity I have today as a 24-year-old to preach in the middle of our main services. That we were going to invest so heavily in our young people that they would have the opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ. And Bill, I think, would be the first to say that him being here at all is a testimony to that that he was, just a, he was just a punky, 
student who was brought to church by a friend, but it was at this church as a student that he encountered Jesus Christ for the first time because we were a church even then that was going to care about its young people, care about its young people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here today because people like Bill and like Ken and like, all, all, like Jason Hickey and Matt Johnston, they saw something in me. They invested in me. They cared about my faith and my development as a follower of Jesus. And now I have the honor of being here today. Brian Forbes, our young adult pastor, young adults pastor, shared a few weeks ago when he preached. He talked about the influence that two people had on his life, that Matt Lewis and his high school leader, Sean Lord, had on his life. And Brian would be the first to tell you without a doubt that he is where he is right now because these two Christian adults invested in his life. They were willing to sacrifice their time to spend it with him. And that's, this, this is a story that goes beyond just any one of us. There's more than three stories of this here at Beach Point. There are countless stories of us investing in the next generation. And I don't have time to go through them all. Sadly, that would be a really fantastic service. But I want us today to think about, despite the fact that this church has changed so much in 50 years, we have held firm to our commitment to raise up the next generation, to invest in the next generation and care about young people. And that's why today, though this is nothing new for us as a church, it is good for us to be reminded that Beach Point must continue to elevate the next generation. Beach Point must continue to elevate the next generation. And today we're going to be thinking about um, what that looks for us right now, what that looks for us today and tomorrow, and what that means for us. What are we going to have to do to raise up the next generation? But before I dive in, um, I, want to, I want to say this. It can be really easy on a Sunday like this to check out if you feel like this doesn't apply to you. You can hear what I'm saying, and you can look at this statement, and you can say, yes, Beach Point must continue to elevate the next generation. But when you hear that, you're thinking, yeah, the pastors and the staff and the people who work with youth, they should continue to elevate the next generation. But I want to be really clear here and say this is not something just for the pastors and the staff and our high school leaders and our middle school leaders. This is something for us as a church to be committed to. This is something we all are going to do together. We're all going to grab a paddle to elevate the next generation. We don't sit on the sidelines for raising these people up because if we do, we're going to set our young people up to fail. And so please do not check out. Don't think this doesn't apply to me. I'm not a parent. I'm not a grandparent. I'm still a student. I'm still a young person. There is still work for us to do together. So let's read Psalm 78. You can go ahead and open up to Psalm 78, uh, verses 1 through 8. And uh, if you've got the Elevate Your Life guidebooks as part of our Elevate Your Life series, that's going to be on page, oh no, I forgot, what 48, 48. And uh, in the Bibles in front of you, that's going to be on page seven, oh, 582. Wow, that was really bad. Page 582. Um, psalm 78, a psalm of Asaph. Um, and we'll talk about who Asaph is in a second, but let's read this together. 
My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Asaph, the the psalmist here, the the man who writes this psalm, he gives us a vision for what it looks like to elevate the next generation, for what it looks like to raise up the next generation. And if Beach Point uh, is going to raise up the next generation well, he's got a, a way for us to go about it. And, and what we know about Asaph is that he was a musician. Um, he served in King David's court and King Solomon's court. And he was given a, a difficult task. Uh, he was tasked with planning all of the worship that was, being, was going to take place in the new temple that Solomon was building. And so Asaph's job was to write music and choreograph dance and, and to build ways for the people of God to worship in this new temple that was being built. But as Asaph is doing this, he realized something. He realized that if they built this beautiful temple, they wrote beautiful songs, and they choreographed beautiful dances, it was all going to be for nothing if the next generation was not taught the ways of the Lord. If the next generation wasn't raised up in the Lord, then what was the point of doing all this work? And so Asaph writes Psalm 78 to say, we have to teach the young people what it means to be a follower of God, what it means to be part of the people of God. And so for us here at Beach Point, from this we can see that we must teach the next generation. We have to teach the next generation. If Beach Point is going to continue to be made up of the people of God for generations to come, then we are going to have to take seriously the challenge of what it means to teach the next generation what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to have to take seriously the challenge of teaching our young people what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think, honestly, that we do a good job of this here at Beach Point already. We've got um, vibrant and exciting kids, middle school, high school, hopefully high school, I, I hope, uh, college, young adult programs here at Beach Point. Um, every Wednesday, our kids, middle school and high schools, we meet together. Every Tuesday, our young adults get together. They're incredible times for us to teach the word of the Lord to young people. We have camps like Amy was talking about. We do our, our two camps a year, our retreats a year. And I think most of our young adults have made it back from their retreat already, judging by looking around the room. But they just came back today from a retreat away with God. And twice a year, we take all of our students, uh, our, from kids all the way through our young adults, to spend time 
out of their normal comfort zone with the Lord up in the mountains so that they have an opportunity to hear what God is saying to them because we believe that God is working in this next generation. Every summer, we have Vacation Bible School. Um, and as Amy talked about, 161 days, I guess. If you haven't been a part of Vacation Bible School here at Beach Point, you are missing out. I, I, I have nothing to do with kids' ministry, and I will still say it is one of my favorite weeks of the year here at Beach Point. It is incredible. We cram this room with uh, an absolutely absurd number of kids. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think we're allowed to say how many kids fit in this room because we worry the fire marshal will find out. But it is incredible. And these kids just go nuts. They go nuts for having this opportunity to worship God, to hear God's teachings, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing week here. Even on Sunday mornings, Bill works hard. And I think our students notice this. He works to make the preaching relevant to the lives of young people. He works hard to make it so that he's not just actually talking over people's heads, but is instead trying to be intentional and speak directly into their lives. But the truth is that all those great programs, uh, all of our great uh, midweek programs, all of our great camps, all of our great VBSs, they're going to miss the mark if if we rely on them alone to teach the next generation. We're going to fall short of the goal if we rely on only those programs to teach the next generation. If we say we're okay segregating our young people away into a kids program and a middle school program and a high school program and a young adults program and say that's where they will learn about God, then we are going to end up letting down our children. We are going to let down our young people. We are going to poorly equip them for the life that, uh, of a follower of Jesus Christ. The Fuller Youth Institute, um, which is based out of Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, they study uh, what they call sticky faith. Um, and, and one of the, the defining features of sticky faith is that it's a faith that lasts after high school and college. And, and one of the things that they find so interesting and that I find so interesting is that students, young people, when asked... What was the most important factor in them having this sticky faith of remaining a part of the faith? They say their cluster of mentors, okay? And that's a term that means simply a group of people, adults in the church, who invested into them, who poured into their lives. And oftentimes we think about it this way, right? We, we think about class sizes and class ratios all the time. We say... We want to have, you know, I don't even know what a good class ratio is now, like 20 kids to one teacher or something for elementary school. Is that right? Somebody said yes, I think. Yeah, I'm just going to say that's right. Okay. Um, For youth ministry, we've done the same thing for a long time. We've said we want to have one leader for every five students because that way we can control the chaos a little bit. But now what they're saying is the opposite. They're saying we need to have five adults who are going to invest in every single young person here at Beach Point. Five adults at this church who are willing to invest in every individual here at Beach Point. That's an incredible task. 
And that is a challenging task. But here's what they find, is that young people who have these groups of people around them that include their youth pastors and their volunteer leaders and the senior pastor and the people all around them, these young people maintain their faith. They have a faith that is built to last even through tough times. They have people to support them even when things get difficult. And so we as a church have to take seriously the call to building up these clusters of mentors. And I love, as part of our child dedication, we always have this moment, right, where where the parents make a commitment to raising up their children in the faith, but then it's turned on us as a congregation. The challenge is to us, will we commit to being a part of the raising up of these children? And it's this beautiful moment where we recognize that parents cannot do this alone. Our youth ministries, they can't do it alone. Our kids' ministry can't do it alone. We together as a community have to work together to raise up the next generation. And and parents, um, speaking from my vast experience of four months of parenting experience, um, parents have to be, they have to face this very difficult task of being their children's primary spiritual caregiver, what we say, being the primary spiritual caregiver, being the person who is leading the the faith of their children. And that is not an easy task. That is a really difficult task. And that is why we as a community have to come together around one another to support parents and to support young people in this congregation. It also means that we might have to change the way we think about things. Right? That means that when we serve in children's ministry alongside that annoying middle school student who helps out every Sunday but really just makes things more difficult, we have to be reminded that we're not just teaching the kids, we're also teaching that middle school student what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When we go on our mission trips, when we go down to Mexico, when we go down around the world, We have to be reminded that we're not just preaching the gospel and telling people in foreign countries or around the country about Jesus Christ. We're also modeling for the young people that come along with us what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We have to build these relationships. We have to build a village around these young people to raise them up in the faith. And that's the work of not just, that's the work of everybody here, I'll say that. And I say for you high school students and middle school students, you have the same work to do. You don't just get off scot-free because you are young people. And so, well, yeah, elevate me. That sounds great. But instead, you have work to do to raise up the next generation as well. To raise up your generation, work to do to develop the people around you, but also to raise up the kids and the middle school students who are younger than you, to present them with a vision of what it looks like to follow Jesus in high school and beyond. We can also see in Psalm 78 that we must tell them God's story. We must tell the next generation God's story. Asaph goes into into incredible detail in starting in verse 9 to the end of the chapter, and we do not have time to read it uh, right now, but he lays out uh, what God has been doing in the people of Israel for generations and what he is doing 
in their lives at the time he's writing this psalm. He talks about the struggles they face and the way that God has got them through it. He challenges them to think about the way that maybe they should have relied on God in these moments instead of relying on themselves. And for ourselves today, for us today, we have to also take seriously this call to tell God's story to young people. And part of that, and a huge part of that, is teaching young people what God actually says, what God has done biblically, what we've seen God do throughout history. But another part of that is being willing to tell young people about the things that God has done in our own lives, about the ways that God has been at work in our own lives. Because when we just tell young people, college students, high school students, middle school students, kids, when all we do is tell them that God was at work back thousands of years ago when the Bible was written, but we forget to tell them the ways that God is working today, what what we show them is that God is not active in their lives any longer. When we don't tell our own stories, when we don't talk about the ways that God has been working in our own lives, we, we present an image of God as not being that relevant to what's going on now. I know for myself, um, in, in a time that was difficult for me, I, I started to feel like it would be difficult for God to redeem me. It would be difficult for God to use me. And in those moments, I was actually reminded of a conversation I had in passing on the patio years ago with a man in our church who I respected very much. And during that conversation, he just talked about the ways that God was at work in his life, the ways that he'd struggled, the ways that he'd faced challenges, the ways that life wasn't going, hadn't gone well for him at times, that he'd made mistakes. But then he recounted the way that God took that and redeemed that, and made something beautiful out of it. And in my own life then, when times would get tough, I could think back about that conversation and say, no, God was at work in his life still, and look who he's become. I know God is still at work in my life. I had somebody, an example I could look to, to say, no, God is still present and active in my life today. And lastly, We as a church must model trust in God. We must model trust in God. Psalm 78 says that the goal of all this teaching, uh, all this of teaching the next generation and raising up the next generation is so that they will trust in God. So that they will be a generation that sees what God is doing and joins in Him with it. But we also have to remember that more is taught than taught. Young people today are going to learn way more, they always do learn way more from what you do than what you tell them to do. And and as an example of this, um, throughout my childhood, sorry dad, um, I remember watching my dad eat while driving, okay? This was a very common occurrence for us, um, and I can picture him vividly kind of sitting there with in and out cheeseburger, both hands on the cheeseburger, and his knee propped up against the steering wheel to keep the car going straight. And for my entire childhood, and still to this day sometimes, I'll see him do that. And that's kind of what I caught about driving. And so my parents, it, it gets worse, don't worry. My parents did a great job of trying to teach me, to tell me how to be a good driver. 
how to be a responsible driver, what it meant to, to, to be a safe driver. And in fact, my dad took me out in the parking lot right back here to teach me how to drive. And thankfully, I didn't hit anything. But after all that teaching, after all that being taught, you know, keep your hands at 10 and 2, be a responsible driver, a safe driver, don't be a distracted driver, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I got my driver's license. And one day, a few months after getting my driver's license, I was coming home from volleyball practice. I dropped a friend off and I was hungry. And so I went to In-N-Out and I got a cheeseburger and I, I, I left In-N-Out and I remember thinking, I remember hearing my parents' voice saying, be a responsible driver. Don't be a distracted driver. And then at the same time, I remembered I was hungry and I pictured my dad sitting there with his cheeseburger in his hands. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go for it. And so I get the cheeseburger out got it in both hands. I've got my knee propped up on the steering wheel to keep it going straight. And I just drove and I drove and I drove straight into the back of the car in front of me. And little does my, do my parents know that that is how I got into that car accident when I was 16 years old. Um, my parents had tried their best to tell me how to be a good, responsible driver. But throughout my life, I had caught something maybe a little different along the way. And the same thing is true when it comes to what it looks like to trust in God and be a follower of Jesus Christ. Young people are watching us to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we can tell them over and over again, these are the things you have to do to be a follower of Jesus. These are the things you should do to trust God. You should trust God to begin with. But when we ourselves don't live that out, when we ourselves are unwilling to trust God, when we ourselves are unwilling to live an authentic, a life as an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how often we tell them to do this, they're going to catch on to something else. And young people today, and I think, you know, just talk to the high schoolers for one second and they'll tell you this, they are excellent gauges of hypocrisy. They're going to see right through all of our attempts to tell them to do one thing while we do something else. And so if we want to raise up the next generation, we're going to have to model for them what it actually looks like to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. And that's not easy. It really isn't. It is a very tough task. But I believe it is one that we are up to as a church, that we are up to as followers of Jesus, that we can be willing to model to young people today what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so as a church, Beach Point must continue to elevate the next generation. We must continue to teach them the ways of the Lord, to tell them God's story, and to model for them what it looks like to trust in God. But as I close, I want to say one last thing, um, which is this. If you pay any attention at all to the news or to Facebook or basically any sort of media, um, my suspicion is that your view of the next generations is pretty bleak. Um, we all like to make fun of millennials, right, and their avocado toast and their crippling student loan debt, and we, we laugh at them and their misery, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but Generation Z, which is these people right here, 
they're eating laundry detergent, okay? It's called the Tide Pod Challenge. I don't know where it came from, but they're eating Tide Pods. Please don't, okay? For real, don't do that. That does not give me great hope for future generations, okay? And that's the image that we get of young people today. It's the image we see all over the place. But I want you to know, as somebody who works every week with young people, with young adults, with high school students, with middle school students, and even around the kids, I do not believe that representation of this generation, right? They say that this is the generation that will abandon the church altogether, and yet we get the opportunity to sit here with all of these high school and middle school students who want to be a part of this community. Everyone says that this is the generation that's going to walk away from faith, that this could be the end of Christianity. This could be the beginning of the post-Christian world here. And yet every day I see young people that relationship with Jesus Christ, who are searching after that connection with Jesus Christ. And so I want to say, um, and I'm embarrassed to say it because I know I'm going to get called on it eventually, but I believe in the depths of my being that this generation right here is the generation that brings revival to Huntington Beach and Fountain Valley. This is the generation that will take seriously the call of Jesus Christ to go and be neighbors to the people around them. This is the generation that will look around them in their communities and think with a missional mindset saying, how can I serve Jesus Christ on my campus? How can I serve Jesus Christ in my college? How can I share the gospel with more people? How can we bring about a renewal of the church in this area? And I have absolute confidence in that, absolute confidence in that today. And so I want to say to you guys, first to you guys actually, There's work to be done. You have work to do on this front. Um, As I say, elevate the next generation, that doesn't mean you guys are perfect. That doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. But I believe that if you guys trust in God, he is going to use you for incredible things. And to the rest of us, I want to say this. These people need our help. These young people are poised to be the leaders of the church in the future. And we often think about it that way. We say, oh, young people, the church will be yours in the future. But we have to be the kind of church that says, no, young people, this is your church now. We don't need to wait for them to mature more before we include them in this church. We need to do our job now of raising them up today of elevating them today, of giving them opportunities today to see what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so as I finish, I want to leave us with this question. How is God calling you to help elevate the next generation? How is God calling you to help elevate the next generation? For some of you, that's just taking some time to pray for these students every day. And and if you want to know, if you have questions about what to pray for, I promise you they have 30 different things they all need prayer for all the time. And feel free to reach out to me and I will, or Brandon or Amy or anyone, and we'll, we'll figure out ways for you to be praying for them. For others of you, it's helping financially. We have a camp fund here at Beach Point that helps students who can't afford to go to camp to get the opportunity to go. And it has provided incredible opportunities for tons of young people here at Beach Point. And maybe a way for you to support them is to contribute to that fund. For others of you, maybe it's 
serving with these young people. It's being a high school leader or a young adult leader. It's being a middle school leader or or serving in our kids' ministry. Taking your time to invest in the next generation. And for others of you, maybe it's just, just mentoring one person. Ken, who's the lead pastor at our HB campus, was telling the story the other day, and I thought it was so good. It's the story of a man, a young man in their church who, who's deciding he wants to go into business. And he's going to go to business school. And so Ken kind of talked to him, and he, the young man asked, I just want to know what it means to be a Christian in business. And so Ken found another older gentleman at the church who's been a very successful businessman in his life. And he asked him, hey, would you mind just getting together every couple of weeks with this guy and talking about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in the business world. And now every couple of weeks they get together, they have coffee, they talk, and you're seeing this moment where this young person is being raised up in the faith, raised up to see that even though he's not going to be a pastor, he's going to go into business, that there's still work to be done, that he still has a role in this, in this church and in this, these ministries, and that God is still going to use him. And so for you, maybe you, you have a job where you feel like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians struggle here. And I'd love to mentor someone who's going in that. Or, or I'd love to give someone some advice on how to be a follower of Jesus in this world. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this, that each and every one of us is called to, in some way to elevate the next generation. None of us gets off scot-free. None of us gets to just float along. We as a church, together, every single one of us has work to do to raise up the next generation in the faith. And so let's take a moment to think about how God is calling us to help, the ne- to help elevate the next generation.